0: This podcast just went from shaggy to Scooby-Doo. And welcome to this zero-credit supplemental reading of 2013's Fast and Furious 6, or Furious 6, yeah. or <laughs> Fast 6. I'm your host, John. <laughs> and I'm Weird Man Henry. And uh, this is part six in the They Weren't Joking series, uh, where we review, review, where we just kind of talk about... Uh, In a haphazard way, every Fast and the Furious movie released since its inception. Uh, Now, this movie having come out in 2013, I feel kind of bad about what I'm about to say, but we will spoil this movie liberally because at this point, either you've taken a two-month hiatus from the podcast or you're with us and you're either down for spoilers or you're watching them with us. Uh, so we will talk about this movie freely with no regard to protecting you from spoilers. At this point, you have been warned, and the disclosure is complete. What a complete disclosure. And for the second disclosure of every episode we're doing, uh, each episode we're gonna be drinking Corona, for it is the selected and preferred beverage of our protagonist, Dom Toretto. Dom Toretto and his whole crew... They're snapping off those. What do they call these things? Bottle caps. There you go. Have you ever played Fallout? That's where they come from. Oh, yeah, they're oh. snapping off these caps. And sipping on that, oh my god, (laughs) this It's really the smell. (laughs) (laughs) It's really the smell. Why is it so strong tonight? (laughs) It wafted all up into my nasal cavities during that sense. That sweet, smooth (laughs) taste (laughs) of Corona. I really feel like the movies are badly missing characters taking sips of Corona and then going, Jesus. (laughs) I... Okay, what is wrong with it tonight? <laughs> it it tastes like sour bread. It just tastes like Corona, my dude. No, it's Corona always tonight. tastes this way. Uh, a lot of things are different tonight. Uh, so, <laughs> we're talking about Fast and Furious 6, or as I alluded to in my cheeky opening... Furious 6 or Fast 6, because it is known as multiple names, the discrepancy is running so close as between the poster and the fucking title card. Yeah, I I, I was gonna ask you, what did your title card say when you watched it? Furious 6. Mine did (coughs) too. So, the theatrical cut, which is the only cut... I don't think these movies have... Actually, no, there is an extended cut on the Blu-ray. But uh, the... What more is in the, it? The, this movie runs what feels like years. Yes. This movie lasts the, uh, the conservative length of your time spent in a circle of hell. And uh, so the title card in all versions of the movie say Furious 6. The title of the movie, as it appears on all promotional material and its poster, is Fast and Furious 6. Its entry in a uh, certain Fast and Furious, like. Box collection. Box collection says Fast 6 spelled out like Fast 5. I have. <laughs> so this. Never before has a movie had such an identity crisis. That it th- No one can say for sure what the title of the movie is. this is really uh, I like to at six movies in they realize that there is no Actual naming convention for these movies and they're just whatever and at this point They've embraced it so fully that now there is no naming convention for a single movie Yeah, yeah. at this point I think Fast and Furious is reminding us that movies are the most easily Postmodern form of art showing that titles don't matter and words are meaningless and this this. This is years before Edge of Tomorrow became live-die-repeat in the DVD release for no reason. At at the very least, there is an explanation for the live-die-repeat thing. Wasn't the book called live-die-repeat? The book was called live-die-repeat, I I think. Uh, No, wait. It was based off of a Japanese book called All You Need Is Kill, And, uh, they changed the name to Live, Die, Repeat. That was its name in Europe. But they found it also tested better in America for the DVD release for that crappy, crappy movie. That was a good movie. Shut up. Was it? Shut up. I've always heard it's bad. It's good. Okay. (laughs) I'm willing to accept it. (laughs) Alright. Now back to this movie. Now this, of course, completes the Justin Lin, not trilogy, because he started with Tokyo. Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Uh... (laughs) And is another stepping stone of the path of success that is Chris Morgan's career. Yes, this is the fourth Chris Morgan written... I don't know if he wrote Tokyo. Maybe third or fourth. Uh, So Chris Morgan is on as writer again, Justin back. Uh, to direct, and this is really neither here nor there, but I'm starting to believe that the name Justin Lin might be some kind of anonymous pseudonym that directors take on, because in my mind, there's almost no way the same person directed <laughs> all four of these movies. That's right. You kind of uh, posited that by the the time that we got to his last movie, we would be able to do sort of a breakdown of his style. I really thought there would be an arc. Because, like, I don't know. I like movies a lot. And I have a tendency to watch all of a director's movies in a semi-marathon fashion. And you can see the arc? Justin Lin is all over the place. Well, I think it goes back to the nature of these films. Like, since Tokyo, Tokyo Drift, these movies have been hybrids of, like, car movie and something else. Yes. And we've tread this ground before a few times. But I think it's because Justin Lin, I don't know if he has a signature style or if he's like a chameleon who's good at a bunch of different styles and just wants to keep adapting different styles. Mm -hmm. And in the case of whatever six, (laughs) uh, it was a car movie slash international spy thriller. Yes. I feel like the Justin Lin movies at the very least have had this really dreamlike feel where it appears as though the characters from the Fast and Furious franchise are, like, breaking through Comic Zone style into other genres of movies. And I think, like, they are taking some uh, some notes out of Marvel's book at this point. It's 2013. Marvel's had a couple of uh, movies. They do that thing where they, at this time, they flip through all of the, the comics To show you the character and various things. And at the opening of this movie, we saw every movie besides Tokyo Drift. Uh, Can we have a quick aside and say that typically a Fast and the Furious movie has a title card and title sequence that's at the very least fun and worth talking about. I hated the way this movie opened. It opened like it was an episode of TV. It opened like shit. I wrote somewhere. Oh, where did I write it? I wrote this... No, I, I must have said it to, to my fiance. No, there it is. It opens like a sitcom. Yeah, it does. It, it opens like a sitcom because they do like a previously on, kind of. But it's not... It's just a really shitty music video that's kind of showing you what's happening in the plot. And what I hated... What, what we loved about Fast Five was the surprise of all the characters coming back. Like, oh my god, they got Tej... they got rumen yeah tajan (laughs) rumen they got jesus jesus all the characters we loved and wanted to see come back came back but it was a surprise and this one the beginning of the movie in this weird full credit sequence we just learn you know everyone's here yeah again so um maybe it's too it's too early to say how i felt about this movie But, um, ah, fuck it. You know how the (laughs) previous movie uh, had a tendency to feel very authentic, full-hearted, fun, and enjoyable? And it was earned because we watched these movies to get to this point? Yeah, it was a great final Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, This movie, by comparison right out the gate, feels inauthentic and clownish. Like, there's some misdirection at the very beginning of this film. Because we we start out with two cars racing in a very similar manner that we saw racing at, like at the end of the last movie. So in my head, I was like, oh, we're doing the same thing. We're picking up seconds after. Yeah, you're doing a fast five. No. Mm-hmm. Time skip. Mia's giving birth. Brian O'Connor's becoming Daddy O'Connor? Yep. To Jack O'Connor. To Little O'Connor. And, uh... Now, it's worth noting that that opens with Vin Diesel saying, once you walk through those doors, everything changes. And it's nice to see that even though you can open a movie with a character literally say, this is the point at which everything is different, nothing can change. Nothing and can And that it's... can be totally unearned. Because we, we ended the last movie with like a, a little... Teasy thing. Oh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, Letty's back. Ooh, Ava somebody's, Mendez. Somebody's stealing cars all over Europe and Ava Mendez is there and Letty's back. And then for some reason we, we end up in Moscow at the Rock with a new uh, like girl beat cop. Yeah, Gina Carano. Gina Carano. I wanna make a point and talk about Gina Carano. Okay. Uh Gina Carano was one of the first prominent faces. Uh, for women in mixed martial arts. She was in like strike force I think and I forget what other uh, promotion she was in. She's really skilled. Uh, she was the one of the first people to headline her match with uh, cyborg, I forget cyborg's first and last name was the first women's MMA match to headline an MMA event. Gina Carano's a badass. All right. Gina Carano is great. Cyborg won, though, because Cyborg is literally <laughs> it's, it's, a monster. It's a cyborg. Monster animal. That point aside, and thanks for bringing that up. Thanks for bringing a little background information to this podcast. I just say that because we won't talk about her again. Oh, no. Well, it won't come up. Um, it felt like The Rock was reintroducing us to the fact that there's a, another crew. Yes. Stealing cars in Europe. Yeah. And that Letty's involved. Yes. Why are we rehashing that? I guess because it's been two years. Uh, but I also feel like there was a weird mystery where he's like, there's only one crew that could have done this. And you kind of feel like maybe it's the Fast... Okay. What? Are... Here's the thing. At this point in the FQ, the Fast and Furious cinematic universe, we need to be able... We have the Avengers, right? Yeah. It's they're... the name of the team. Yeah. What do we call them? We call them... In-universe or out-of-universe? Out-of-universe. What do we call the crew? Oh, it's gotta be the fuck you crew. The the fuck you crew is good. I was thinking the fast and familia. (laughs) That's... I love that. The fast and familia. No, that's great. Okay, so the Fast and Familia, you feel like the Fast and Familia is behind this. And they even do that weird trick shot where they have a bald guy facing away yeah. from the two-way mirror. Mm-hmm. And then he speaks in a super posh British accent, not expected. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like, oh, okay, so that's not Dom. But why did you lead us to believe it was Dom? Because we just saw Dom in the Canary Islands. Yes. He obviously is not in Moscow, This movie treated its audience like babies. Yeah, this movie is host to... uh, And I've had criticisms of Fast and the Furious movies before. uh, But this movie doesn't have lazy writing. It has wholly inconsistent, inexplicable writing. Which is worse than lazy writing. I'm opening another Corona. (laughs) That's really fast. We have so much more show to get through, John. I look, it's been a long day. <laughs> there's so many. You're, there's so many inconsistencies. Like the rock goes in to interrogate that guy, and whereas before it took two fully muscled out titans just to, to destroy a room, yes, the rock can just now destroy a room whenever he he pleases. So this is. I feel like Fast Five is a really special movie because it's at an inflection point. Where these characters become superheroes. And that's exciting to see. But at this point in Fast 6, Furious 6, Fast and Furious 6. Uh, these characters are already superheroes. And it's already tired. the The fact that The Rock picks up. And I mean... I expect to suspend my disbelief a little bit, but the fact that he picks up a 250-pound man and, like, throws him five feet in the air into the ceiling, which is the most probable of the physical feats The Rock accomplishes in this movie, it just feels silly. It feels silly and unearned. And in a movie series that's so much about, you know, get him in cars, let's, they can do crazy things in cars. Yes. This movie goes out of its way to be like, they can do crazy stuff anywhere. Yeah, they've evolved. But they really haven't. And also, they're the most findable people on the planet. (laughs) They really are. I also want... Because they're in the Canary Islands, you said, right? So, yeah, that's where... Dom is. Dom and Mia and Brian O'Connor. They're in the Canary Islands. Okay. Uh, I love that uh, we are keeping in line with uh, Dom's whole life, because even when he's living in the lap of luxury in the Canary Islands, he just still finds a V8 engine hanging out in some fucking mezzanine to work on. (laughs) My fiancé was like, oh, look, he's grilling. (laughs) And like a a minute later into the scene, I was like, that's not a grill, Jamie. That's That's an engine. And she's like, oh. I like to imagine Dom lives his life where... Uh, if someone ran out onto that mezzanine and was like, "Ah, get away from my engine, Dom Toretto." And he's like, and he runs away. He just finds shit to fix. Yeah. Uh that's, that's all he that's does. That's his calling. That's his real calling. He he fixes things and he fixes people. He does. So, uh <laughs> the the whole Letty angle, which is what this whole movie's about. Yeah. Yeah. At its center, this movie's about Letty not being undeady and how Dom wasn't ready for an undead Letty undead Letty. These are the only <laughs> words that rhyme, but if I string them together enough times, you might think it's kind of fine. Look, I think that it's unsteady, uh, what they did with Letty. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. Uh So, now, I want to talk about one thing that I do like about this movie. And there's a couple things that I actually do quite like. One of them being when The Rock just sh- takes his gun out and shoots the vending machine. When <laughs> for Roman Pierce to and he's like, it's all in the house. What? When that happened, I was like, I don't like this movie. Why? <laughs> I thought that was silly. No, he has a big ol' revolving he pister. He has a gun. He has a gun. Revolving pistol The gun's like him. It's muscular. Um, <laughs> but I, when watching this, one thing, I can't talk about everything I liked about this movie. We don't have enough time. Um, one thing that I did like about this movie, at its core, beneath everything else, this movie is just telling a love story between Dom and Letty, which, in that way, it is the true sequel to Los Bandoleros. Yes, I <laughs> This movie has a lot, a lot of problems, but it also makes a lot of really good moves for the, the series. It's so frustrating! because it's like it's like what okay they've been through everything they they've now they've taken down a guy who controls an entire city it's like how do you elevate from there the natural response is you put them against another crew yeah the wh- i love what they did with this movie in that they went what is the natural response to and we talked about the introduction of the rock being a great physical foil to vin diesel yeah uh but when they have the fast and familia What is the best thing they can do, but create an evil Fast and Familia? With a person who leads it, who is the, not the physical foil, but the philosophical foil to Dom. He's a person who's kind of like a mechanic. You you just change out parts until it works. Mm -hmm. No loyalty. Just like pure pragmatic success. Whereas Dom's code is family first. Uh, But I really liked the villain of this, played by Luke Evans, star of, I guess, The Hobbit. I don't know. Um, He was also Gaston. He was Gaston. In the new live-action version of... I'm slowing down because I don't (laughs) like the sentence. Uh, But, uh, no, Luke Evans plays a character that I really like that I don't think I've seen a lot in popular culture, which is just fucking evil James Bond. I wrote down evil genius of a Q. Like, this guy, he's smart. He's super good at driving cars, but everyone is. But on top of that, he can, like, invent shit. Yeah, he invents a flipper F1 car. Which, also, I know that we kind of abandoned this when the stakes became raised in unbelievable brinksmanship. But new stakes... Finally, uh, Formula One is introduced to the FQ in that he has a highly customized Formula One car. Now, th- this was a movie that, uh, revealed to me just how lazy the video game devs Rockstar are. Oh? Because that ramp car, uh, totally is in, uh, the online version of Grand Theft Auto 5 or whatever it's called. I feel like the online version of Grand Theft Auto 5 is just Fast and the Furious the video game. Well, they've done everything now. I mean, they they've done like Road Hogs, they've done like Born to Be Wild. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, done every movie you can think of. They have they Easy have, Rider. They have Tron now. I mean, Crying come on. Game. Uh, but yeah, I I really liked the villain, even though I feel like he was generally written in a pretty bad way. Uh, but I liked what he was. I liked his crew. They all had unique personalities. One of them got shot in the neck by Gal Gadot. Yeah. As good as Chris Morgan is at writing characters, and he is very good. Like, we do like the characters that we see. He he, he struggles with the villain, and I feel like this Luke Evans character, whose name I will never remember. Shaw. Shaw. Is the best villain he's delivered thus far. Yes, it is a shame. I was actually thinking about this in HEB while I was buying these Coronas. If Fast Five had this villain... Fast Five would be a better movie. Yeah. Like, if you took the good element of this movie, which is the villain and the dynamic, and you put it into Fast Five, which was just kind of an extension of Fast and Furious slash Too Fast, which there's just a drug guy. Yeah. Uh, if, you had, if you had put that in there, that would have been, moi, perfect movie. Uh, but Luke Evans is good. I like the fact that the movie is essentially a glorified love story. Uh, Between Ludacris and Roman Pierce. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They took the good banter that the Dominicans had and they gave it to Ludacris and Tyrese. Okay, here's a legitimate thing. What? I feel like they had intended to keep the Dominican characters in this movie, but they cut them. Probably because they didn't test well or asked for too much money. I feel like they actually gave some of their lines to Tej and Ludacris, because at the end when they're grilling and Ludacris is grilling, uh Roman Pierce is like, you're not gonna burn it again, are you? It's like, burning things on a barbecue was the Dominicans thing. That is, you're you're absolutely I feel like right. they cut them out and gave them some of their banter. I think they did. That is a shame funny funny trivial fact about that one scene uh when Tyrese calls out to the rock I'm um, this for going on character names and the rock responds you know something about that big old forehead yeah completely improvised by the rock and that spit take mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> genuine I uh, I feel like here's now, it it can't be that this is the case. These movies aren't shot in chronological order, because almost no movie is. But I feel like a lot of the character choices, particularly between uh, Hobbes, Tedge, and Roman, I feel like that comes out of improvisation, because I know that both uh, Ludacris and Tyrese have a tendency to improvise their lines. And I feel like... Uh, Ludacris made that forehead joke, then they'll, like, write it into the script, write bigger and worse versions of yeah, it. Yeah. And that, like, actually kind of became a thing. And that forehead thing, one of the things I enjoyed most about <laughs> this movie. It's a reoccurring joke throughout the movie. Apparently it took people years to realize that Tyree Skibbins character has a big forehead. <laughs> I, uh, man. Okay, so... His name's Roman. Roman Pierce. So, this movie, it's hard to talk about. There's, there's so much happening. This movie is unwieldy in the extreme in that it's genuinely hard for me to remember what the actual plot is. The plot's all over the place. It's like, you know, Hobbs recruits the, the, the Fast and Familia to take down this other crew who's putting together three components to create a blackout device, a midnight cube. <laughs> Whatever they call it. It's worth billions. Wait, I wrote it down. But I'll never find it, but it was like a midnight device or nightmare poker. But that that can take a country down for 24 hours. Yes. Which is a ridiculous conceit. Uh, and this movie plays fast and loose with technology in a way that Fast Five did not. And I feel like these movies are always for the worse when they make up technology. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like... If Justin Lin approached this movie with any sort of, like, nostalgia for the original Fast and Furious or Too Fast, Too Furious, they saw the the weird remote control car gun. Yeah, those weird harpoons. From Too Fast, Too Furious. It's the same thing! It's the exact same thing, and it only occurs once... And then it's completely forgotten. It's gone forever. Now, I mean, it's really nice to know that a magnetic thing that you stick to a car's hood can somehow communicate with the the closed-circuit computer chip in there to somehow control the steering. Dumb. It's really dumb. Uh, but that F1 flipper car was cool. Nightshade device. Nightshade device. You know, I was disturbingly close with Midnight Cube. Yeah. This it feels like this movie wanted to accomplish so much, like it wanted to be so much bigger than all the movies that came before it. But sometimes when you try to be bigger, you just seem wider than you are than you seem deeper. Yeah, no, the the thing with this movie is it's ludicrously spread out. Because I want to pose a challenge to you, Henry. To me. Yes. I want you to explain... Oh, you want a corona? Yeah, if I'm going to take this challenge, I need to corona up. Uh, so... I'll wait. No, no. And... Salute. (sniffs) Shit. Oh, well. So, uh... I want you to give me, to the best of your recollection, a step-by-step guide. If you were something Shaw... Chris Shaw... I thought Shaw was his first name. Shaw's his last name. There's a reason for that. Obadiah Shaw. Obadiah Shane. Uh, Obadiah Stane. Uh, I want you to tell me what his plan was to get the microchip in the tank. Oh, that's, that's super easy, John. Uh-huh. I will interject, though, <laughs> to ask you questions about your plan. All right, so the chip is held... And a bunch of different locations around Europe, uh-huh. But for some reason, they it's revealed to the, everyone that they're going to go to Spain. Uh-huh. And so, now you're going to Spain, so uh, at which point in the 96-hour window did you decide that you were going to Spain, and how did they discover that you were going to Spain? Well, we decided to go to Spain on on the onset. Before we went, it was very important To have Letty have a long conversation with Dom. Yes. That we know of. And also, I'm going to show up there. Oh, okay. Now, why did you recruit Letty, an amnesiac who you meant to have killed? By the way, you were really good friends with the antagonist of Fast and Furious 4. Here's what happened. You see, Braga brought on Letty. I knew right away, me, Obadiah Shah, knew she was an informant. You can tell by the smell. Uh Uh-huh. I and so we had her taken out, but this guy, yes, Braga. No, this other guy. Oh, the guy who meant to kill her. Yeah, he Phoenix. He missed. Phoenix missed, or just shot a gas tank for some reason, which wouldn't explode the way we saw MythBusters. But she had amnesia, and uh-huh. I thought, <laughs> perfect girl. Uh huh. Perfect girl, yes. <laughs> no memory. No memory. You know she's a badass. No I guess. memories. perfect girl. Now, at what point in your plan did you decide to do like a false flag operation that led them to one location when you were actually uh, deploying charges at Interpol? Now, this is not what I was ready to talk about. Um, this is the very beginning of the movie. Well, obviously, I'm the bait, and obviously. The guy that they captured, not Dom, Mm -hmm. is going to be working for them because I know Lou Cobbs. And Lou Cobbs beats the shit out of you until you work for him. Uh huh. So obviously I lure all of the police to one place so I can go to Interpol to find the locations of these chips and also steal the background records of the crew that they hired. Why was that guy who died really quick developing a grappling gun for you? We actually... It wasn't. Also, why did you kill all of... Why did you kill him? Honestly, honestly, the grappling hook was not for us. That he was just doing that on his own. Okay. It was a side project. Uh-huh. We killed him because we didn't need him. Okay. That works. Yeah. This is to show the cruelty of me, Obadiah Shah. Now, your original question. We're gonna... We know where the chip is held. And we knew that they were gonna, like, put all of their soldiers around the walls. Uh-huh. And that, you know, so... We sent a fake guy uh-huh. to and we wanted them to catch him. Okay. But and we knew that Luke Hobbs is an idiot in this movie and not in the previous movie. Uh-huh. And that he was gonna transport the chip, even though he knows we're like the evil familia, and we're good in cars. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we are keeping in mind that your informant who was captured was actually at a military base. Not the false flag for the strike at Interpol, where you intended to hit the convoy. Well, no, the fa- that's the first... The first one is the, is the false operation that leads them to Interpol. The later heist leads them to the convoy. Yeah. Because the convoy's where the tank happens. I know. Okay. No, the, the fault... Okay. You're getting confused. The okay. ship is being held in a military base. In a tank. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Where else would you keep a chip? It's the safest place. It's the safest place. So we sent a fake guy there. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, you're right. There was a fake guy. There was a fake guy that... And we knew Luke Hobbs in this movie is an idiot. I'm kind of repeating myself. Because in the previous movie, he knew not to let people get in cars. But in this movie, he's going to put the chip in a car. Yes. Yes. I feel like the person you should be (laughs) questioning is Luke Hobbs. Yes. Not... Me, evil genius, Uh Obadiah and Sean. And uh, you're very good friends with the people who run the CCTVs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's a brother-in-law. Oh, that makes sense. I see the resemblance. (laughs) Uh, So, actually, that part makes no sense. (laughs) So can we talk about the fact that there's this idea in writing uh, that's called plot gesture? So the idea that you you should be able to break down any overarching plot into simple elements until they reach a conclusion. Yeah. At what point does the plot of this movie achieve gesture? Um, you have to take out a lot of the mid-steps. Yeah. You have to take out a lot of the, uh, everything. You have to take out basically the middle. <laughs> yeah. Because if the movie was he wants to steal a chip, and then the middle was... The deception operation where he intended the guy to get caught so he could hit the convoy. Perfect plot. I have one major question about all of this. They're in London for 90% of the movie. Yes. How... London, where we get what we want. Yeah. How did asphalt from a Spanish airstrip end up in the garage in London where they were working on their cars? Oh, it's not asphalt, it's paint. (laughs) (laughs) That did not... (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let me rephrase the question. Yes. How did paint from a Spanish airstrip (laughs) end up in a London garage where they were working on their car? Were they, like, ferrying the cars back and forth? And for what reason? No, 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 it's low infrared. Only three places put this kind of paint on. I feel like this movie was not written in 2012 or 13 or whenever it was written. It was written at the peak age of like, oh, we can trace the dirt on the basketball to the crime scene, Mm -hmm. like CSI bullshit that's not true. This, the plot of this movie is absurdly unwieldy and... You know, we say that the writers of this movie treat their audience like babies. Not really. They treat their audience like babies in all of the characters. But they treat their audiences like fucking geniuses, hoping that they can keep up with this labyrinthine and nonsensical plot. If this movie had been fucking Owen Shaw or whatever, needs this chip for a midnight device, no three chips, no three components or whatever, and then you show him like, leading up to a point in the middle. And the point in the middle is the, like, gaslighting operation where you, like, show him preparing for this heist and it happens, like, catch the guy. And then the turn is they say, we caught the guy. Oh, shit, he's a car expert. He's gonna go after the convoy. This was all a setup. And then the conclusion is the convoy chase. That's a fine plot for a villain. What I don't get is, how do you do the immaculate work with that safe at the end of Fast Five and hope to, to hold a candle to it with the tank scene in Fast Six? I liked the tank because, hear me out, I like tanks. <laughs> I like tank shit in movies, and uh, this tank uh, did a cool thing in that it was heavy, destructive... Really dangerous and cool. Uh, they did tanks uh, a service. I-, I wrote a note. A tank? The ultimate car. It really is. And th- this, this was the point where my fiancé got ill or f- sickened by the movie. Because this is the most wanton death. Yes. Yeah. for no reason, Shaw... Who has not shown any, like, oh, I need to kill people kind of... He's just running over cars for no reason. And the cars are being flattened. And, like, there is no question of whether or not the drivers of those cars are alive. They are dead. Yes, over 250 cars were destroyed by that tank during filming. You... What? Oh, during filming. Real cars destroyed by that tank. But not real drivers. Not real drivers. No, that would be. Justin Lin would be one of history's greatest monsters if he had done that. Not Justin Lin. Luke Evans. Luke, <laughs> Evans. Luke Evans would be he one. He's oh. piloting that they taught him. Little known trivia fact. <laughs> He wasn't wasn't supposed to run over any of those cars. They just taught him how to pilot a tank, and then they let the cameras roll. Those reactions of his were (laughs) genuine. Yeah, Luke Evans is a horrible monster. Um, I feel like what they tried to do is absolutely they wanted to be like, let's recapture the magic of the safe. Because I'm going to make a soft prediction. I think that the trajectory of these movies from Fast Five is kind of set in stone. Because I think these movies are going to be, like, wide-ranging espionage movies that end in a big set piece. Yeah. And... Like Mission um, Impossible. Yeah. And we add the big set piece with the tank, then we had the second big set piece with the Airbus. Now, the Airbus part's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, other than the fact that characters die for no reason. What do you mean? It's totally unnecessary to kill Gal Gadot's character. Uh, she shot that guy. Oh, you're right. You're right, she shot that guy. I mean, it did cement their love, but I would much prefer Gal Gadot stays. Uh, but... <sighs> sucks. It's the worst thing that ever happened to these movie franchise series, to fuck you. But also, so, if you have to go out, what a badass way to go out. Yeah, choosing to die to protect Sun Kong and shoot that weird... Lizard-lipped man. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I also have a huge problem with the Airbus scene in that... Okay, none of the people inside of the cargo hold should be able to stand up because the plane is moving so fast and physics would not allow them to remain standing upright. No, I've got two problems with the Airbus we'll scene. We'll add another one because physics wants your, your number. Uh So, uh, I think that the way that they defeat that completely uh improbable muscle guy whose oh, name by the way is Kim Cold y- you mean uh king muscle who's bigger than the other two muscle heads in the movie they're somehow? they're like we, we got to get like a huge danish guy right uh but the the way they have uh, that fight's dumb and the way that the rock Magically grows wings to clothesline him off of Vin Diesel's arms. Oh, no, they do like a cool tag team move like you would see in a video game of superheroes. The rock flies eight feet up in the air to do it. Yeah. He doesn't jump. Watch him. He doesn't like wind up to jump. He just goes, whoop. He's Mario. He just levitates. He's Mario. Uh, Two, that's number one. Problem number two is my biggest problem with this movie. Period. Bar none. They, a little bit of backstory, Justin Lin has wanted since he started directing these movies to launch a car out of the front of an airplane. Is that the only reason that happens? Now, I think that's incredible. If you're like, Dom Toretto might be dead, which we know he isn't. Uh, These movies would not exist without him. But when they launch the car through the airplane, let that be the moment of triumph. Let him ride to victory, get out, and then, like, have the moment of happiness. But the fact that... Wait, 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 wait. Let let me interrupt. I have a better pitch. What if the car launches out of the front of the airplane, and then it tumbles a bunch back into the fire, and you don't know whether or not Dom is alive or dead, and instead of having characters run to go help him, he has to limp through dangerous carthaginic smoke... Holding like all of his body parts as he limps toward his friends. I I just think it's it's a classic shitty writing move to have a character have a moment of triumph and be like, oh let's let's milk that again. Let's let's hit the adrenaline again and say, what if he didn't make it? It's like, you did it once! Like, we've already taken a hit. The adrenaline's not gonna have the same effect. It just it it robs it. If the victory had been, he launches out of the plane, lands on all four tires, is on fire, joins his friends, gets out, perfect, great. That would have turned that scene into something I actually fucking liked. But the fact that they flip his car like it's like, is he dead? Oh he's alive! Is he dead? Garbage. They had to they had to pull a bayonetta. Garbage writing. There, there are three three times that the end credits of Bayonetta starts rolling just for the final boss to interrupt and say, Hey, hey, <laughs> not dead yet. <laughs> uh, I mean, if uh, Vin Diesel had come back with revolver feet, that would have been better. Uh a huge problem with this movie. And I know, all we're talking about is the problems. You know, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But you can't kill off a major character and have one, one line... Of one character asking, where's where's Giselle? Yeah. And then it's never brought up again for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like, at the end scene, like... Her death was very cheap. In the prayer. In Roman's prayer, at the end of the movie, he's saying grace for the food. Because he reached for the potato chips first. And that's uh, that's a house rule here. <laughs> no mention of Giselle. No mention of her whatsoever. Giselle? Uh She's not an animal? It's a bummer. I thought that I... Look, I'm a man of very particular tastes. We've discussed that I like tank shit. Right? We've discussed that just now. Yeah, just now. You know what I've always wanted to see in a movie? A tank coming out of the back of an airplane. (laughs) Shoot. Oh, wait. A-Team did it. Yeah. I've always wanted to see a badass airbus scene. Airbuses are cool. They're just like... And when an airbus showed up... I was like, this is the best. And the Airbus scene was okay. They could have done so much more with that Airbus. Was I the only one on this couch who thought that like, oh, they're going to pick up Shaw, the cargo door's going to go up, and then they're going to take off instead of them riding on the longest runway in (laughs) the history of goddamn Earth? (laughs) That runway must be at least a hundred miles long. That, they... They have long runways in Spain. And I i don't know much about Airbuses. I don't know an Airbus from Adam, but apparently... They have to reach a speed close to the speed of light to yeah. take off. Oh, but they, had, they were going way fast. They had cars hanging from them. What's How's an Airbus going to take off if it has maybe six tons attached to it with a completely empty cargo hold? How could it possibly achieve liftoff with that much inconceivable weight attached to it? Dumb. You know what we haven't even talked about? The The dumbest fucking thing about this movie. Let me guess. Okay. Let me guess. Feel free. Give me three guesses. Okay. Guess number one. And this is the... the, I don't even actually need the other guesses. Nas-fueled grappling hooks. No, I love that. Oh, (laughs) no. No, I love that. It was a dumb joke and I loved it. no. It was a dumb joke and I loved it. Oh, give me... Can I have a recess, You have two more guesses. Can I have a recess? I need a recess. Um, mm, bringing Braga back. Bringing Braga back was dumb, I'll give you that. This is something that is central to the plot of this movie. Happens like three quarters of the way in and like robs it of dramatic weight, in my opinion. Oh, I know it. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's the scene. Yes. Uh, they're letting Luke Evans go. Yes. They're letting Luke Evans go. And he says toward both Letty and this police officer who you gushed over in the beginning of our episode. He says toward both of them. Letty's kind of in focus. Yes. He says to both of them, are you coming? Yeah. And the police officer, not Letty, says, sure, I wouldn't miss it. Revealing that she was a double agent the whole time. The yeah. whole time. Oh, was that it? That is. It's part of that whole scene. The whole thing where Luke Evans is captured, and then he's like, I got your family, and then they just let him, it's fucking dumb. Yeah, like, this wasn't a clever thing, like, oh, was getting captured part of your plan? No, this was just, oh, you like family, so I went after your family, and now that I have your family, I'm gonna skedaddle. That British guy, who was like, we don't. We don't, let, we don't negotiate yeah, over one under, life. Under no circumstances, if I was a fucking commander in the SAS or whatever that dude was, even if I had a gun to my head, I'd be like, I'm not letting a horrifying criminal go. <laughs> in that moment, that British commander is the most American person in the room. Yeah. Because he's like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah, it's like, I understand this is awful, we are in no circumstances letting this dude go who has all of the pieces to assemble a device that could kill millions. That's unbelievable. Also, the, the turn with Gina Carano turning evil. Dumb. Want to backtrack a little bit. The fight with Michelle Rodriguez and Gina Carano. Extremely good. They did almost all of that themselves. That's good. I think the only thing about that fight that they did not do themselves is when they go down the stairwell. Well, I... I guess I know I'm all over the place, but when I watched this movie I was drunk and angry, and I don't remember exactly what the plot is. It's okay. Please consult your notes. I'm consulting my notes. I'm like because this is a hybrid spy thriller, I guess they felt the need to do a lot of fist fights. But one fight in particular highlights that they don't know how to fight. And it's the fight but Han and Ludacris. Han and Luda- oh, It's Oh Ludacris, sorry. Han it's and, Han and Roman. Han and Roman are fighting this one, like one henchman, and they can't do anything to him because you got to remember they're street racers. So, the uh, yes, the guy who plays the martial artist of that group, yeah, I do not know his for real name, but he plays Jaka in The Raid, which is oh, a fantastic movie. I didn't realize he was from The Raid, and he is a phenomenal martial artist. And uh, the way he fights and the way his fights are choreographed, amazing. And they try to, like, make Han and Roman look like they know how to fight. This dude just clowns them. That's a good fight. Yeah, it's, it's a good fight from the perspective of showing, Hey, uh, by the way, these are street racers. And these they... people don't know how to fight a hand murderer. Yeah. Like, he's doing classic, like, using momentum against them. Like, not even not throwing punches, but, like, taking their energy, he doesn't really go after them. He just reacts to what they do. Yeah, he he is a a phenomenally gifted dude who just beats the shit out of them. And I appreciate that that's the end of their interaction with him. I don't know what happens to that guy. He dies in the tank, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That would make a lot of sense. He was, like, driving it. Oh, can we talk about the tank thing for a second? Can we talk about, you gotta put some things on faith... Okay, two things. I love the Dom and Letty getting to know each other after the street race thing. I actually really like that. That's probably the best scene in the film. It's really well acted. You can tell that, like, Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel actually have a genuine affection for each other. Not that they're, like, romantically involved or whatever, but they have, like, great chemistry. They play off of each other well, and they play a couple extremely well. And, like, that was the best acting in the whole movie. And that was supposed to be the heart of the film, so it's good that, like, the moments that they get to share where it's not people jumping off tanks and jumping across neutral grounds that are gaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's good that this heartfelt moment stands on its own. It's it's maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie, just because it's, like, very human very, very, like, nice. Very or, much in the vein of, like, the first few movies and not crazy bullshit. Yeah. Even though Letty, be, Letty having full-blown amnesia is the dumbest twist in movie history, uh, I really liked that scene a lot. And it couldn't have happened unless Letty had amnesia, so... Fucking good job, Chris Morgan. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm not clapping. Fucking great job giving a character amnesia fucking man so f- so good. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Uh, no, I think it's a... I think giving any character amnesia in almost any circumstance is some of the laziest writing you can do. Uh, but I think that that is undercut by the apex of their relationship being Dom jumps from a car to embrace Letty in midair... Which uh, is cool in, like, an anime. (laughs) But in a movie that's ostensibly set in real life, I think it's kind of silly. Yeah, like, there were a bunch of moments where I was like, so, he just broke his legs. Mm -hmm. So, like, and in that moment when he lands on the other car, it was like, so, his back is broken. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, like, his spine is fucked. Yeah, and I, I feel like they shot that because they thought it would be cool, but then they're like, How did you know I would fall? I was like, You gotta take some things on faith. It's like, no. <sighs> you just you just thought it would be cool. Because I'm the protagonist in a certain set of movies. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I I have so many strong feelings about this stupid ass movie. One huge <laughs> problem. I also wanna let you know. These are pretty much all my thoughts. So, bring your walk-ons. Here, here's my walk-on. At the very beginning of the movie, we're circling back. These are major criminals. They get all together in one place. Luke Hobbs, the paladin of justice, is there. And he's like, you guys are going to pull a job for me. And they're all like, what's in it for us? And he can't promise pardons, but he's like, I can make y'all whole. I can make your family whole. Mm-hmm. Half, more than half of the people in that room never met Letty. Yeah. They, that's true. They... But... That's a huge plot hole! But they are the Fast and Familia. So they know that whatever Dom agrees with, they'll agree with. I guess. Uh... Man, at the end of the movie, it was like 1357 or whatever. 1327. I'm gonna be honest with you. That's dumb. But when we went back to that house, I actually got, like, chills. <laughs> When it went back to that house, I was like, that's where Jesse died! Remember Jesse? Yeah. He died! So these movies, at least watching them in a semi-marathon fashion as we have been, the strongest moments are the moments that call back most strongly to the first film to make you remember where you've been. And I feel like that was cool. It's dumb because they should have gotten pardons and a billion dollars. (laughs) Well, they got pardons and amnesty. And they're also all, to be clear, tremendously wealthy. Yeah. They have uh, drug dealer money. Roman Pierce probably still has that, like, $13 million he stole in his pants. <laughs> it's still, you know, if, it's we, still in his pants. if we look at it, just in terms of their earnings curve, Roman Pierce is probably the most wealthy. Because he had a significant amount of seed money in terms of like 3 to $10 million he stole. And then everyone else is kind of on the same level. So Roman Pierce is really the richest one of them. He's the only one with his own private jet that says, It's Roman, bitches. <laughs> uh, which is perfect. So I started watching this movie with my girlfriend. Oh, she saw no. the It's Roman, bitches. Uh, she was like... Okay, so the movie started. I want to let you know. When we started watching the movie, the idea of watching the movie forced our guests to leave. Uh, Oh, you had guests? We had guests. Uh, And then she was like, I feel like I might want to watch these movies. They're kind of fun. That happened. She immediately stood up and started to go read a book in the other room. Uh, So really a great way to introduce people to the series. Well, she's seen... I mean, she saw ejecto because She did see ejecto because I can't believe that hasn't been called back (laughs) yet. It might be. Uh, But anyway, continue your walk-ons. Oh, quick walk-on. Not worth talking about. Ludacris is ripped. Yeah, I wrote that. I wrote Ludacris got ripped for this movie. Yeah, he must have, like, talked to the fucking Rock's trainer or something. Ludacris is fucking yoked. I mean... Come on, that's probably exactly what happened. He was like, yeah. you know, <laughs> obviously The Rock, he has to maintain his lifestyle on set, so the trainer would probably be, like, available. Yeah. And he probably, on the sly, like, The Rock has gone to, like, shower, and the, the trainer's, like, p- packing up his little sports bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ludacris is kind of like, <laughs> he's like, hey, man. Hey, hey, man. What are some exercises that are good? You can make me look like (laughs) him. I'm pretty sure what actually happened... Now, this is a real theory. I think that The Rock was drinking... Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a movie set. I have. Uh, When you're the star of a movie, typically, craft services will have like little styrofoam cups you drink out of. Crafties. It's called crafties. I'm sorry, crafties. We'll usually have these little styrofoam cups you drink out of and like a, a little water cooler. I think The Rock drank... Out of a styrofoam cup. Here's the problem. You know when you have a styrofoam cup and you don't want other people's germs, you like write your name on it? Both Ludacris and The Rock. Did the Cardinal say they didn't write their name on their cup and they both filled it up and took a drink? Ludacris came up and accidentally took a drink of what The Rock was drinking out of and immediately grew more muscular. You know, that's probably the most plausible thing. He caught He caught the juice. Not saying that The Rock is on steroids at all. I'm just saying that he caught The Rock's, uh, essence. Uh, and, uh, just to make it clear on this podcast, I in no way want to insinuate that The Rock, a uh, fucking 45-year-old man, is on some kind of special sports supplement. I don't think he is. Uh, it's tough to say. I don't know. Maybe. Do you know how many times he eats fish in a day? He does eat 10,000 calories. He eats like nine fish God. a day. Quick aside. I wish I had The Rock's Life where my whole job was to act, eat, and work out. That seems fun. Yeah. I just eat. One last walk on before, before we get to the metrics. Before we get to the metrics. Like the previous movie, this movie had an after credit scene. And when I saw and correctly identified... That it was the chase scene from Tokyo Drift, I exclaimed in the most excited voice I could, Han's gonna live. Yup. Absolutely. I thought they had found a way to retcon it so that, you know, maybe. Because Tej and Roman, look, if I told them, like, hey, if you ever need us, we got your back. And I'm like, they're gonna be there. They're gonna pull him out. If Han is. If Letty is any. If Letty is any. If that is any indication. Indication. The car would explode and then you just see Han thrown and then Han has amnesia. However. Han dies. What actually happens is that the random car that hit Han was driven by Jason Statham. Yes, who says, is this Hobbs, right? He calls Hobbs. I thought he called Dom. He calls Dom maybe. And he's like. Is this Dom Toretto? You'll know me by my trail of dead. <laughs> Look at your trail and weep for I am Jason Statum! Uh, yeah, so I guess he's going to be a character. Uh, so this series is just becoming The Expendables. But, but, what happened in that... How did he get the Letty necklace? That brief, those brief moments. I was elated. I was ecstatic. I was the happiest little boy in the candy store, and then the candy store turned into hell. (laughs) Into Jason Statham. Jason Statham Uh, took a gun out, shot all the candy, and said, Did you know me? You gotta know me soon. I'm Jason Statham. I feel like maybe it's effective for what it did, because it filled you with hope and gave you despair, and maybe that's supposed to be the downer after credits scene. How can you do a downer? Uh, I don't know. Apparently they did. But uh, I'm not excited about Jason. I like Jason Statham. I'm not excited about him being in it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know what character he is, to be honest with you. Uh, But that would be spoilers for movies that don't exist yet and I haven't seen. Uh, The last time I saw Jason Statham, he was in the Meg. So hopefully this time, (laughs) he won't lose his leg. I don't know why I keep writing (laughs) I uh, I like Jason Statham, that after credit sequence, when I felt like Han was going to live, I had what I'd like to call, and henceforth trademark, Fast Five feelings, because I felt the hope of the character that I love continuing to exist, which is what Fast Five was all about. It was reintroducing you to these characters and making you fall in love again, but then Han just died. Where'd you get Letty's necklace? I don't know. I guess we'll find out when they recap the entirety of the gap, and also we now know for a fact we've caught up. Yeah, Tokyo Drift is in the future. It's not in the future anymore. Nothing is certain at this point. The, the only thing, the certain. only, the only points of reference in the future in the fuck you were Han's death. Yeah, and now we're caught up. So it's anybody's game. It's anybody's game at this point. I just, it was. I feel bummer. like it's a war crime. Okay. We are in a time of war. You know, just like... The car war. I'm going to spoil other things now. Just like in that brief moment in Game of Thrones, when you think Joffrey's going to send Ned to the wall, Mm -hmm. and then it didn't happen, that's the same thing. Yeah, you love... it. No, I hate it. It needs to be illegal. I was just saying, you love Han as much as you love Ned Stark... Yeah, at this point, kind of actually, pretty much. They're both they look. They're, they're both principled. I was about to say they both have their principles. They both they live by a certain code. They both lost. They you both know, lost. They experience lost. They both have wolves. They, one actual wolves. One street racers. Well, yeah, yeah. Like you know, Sean Boswell is like a little wolf pup, and then yeah. like all the other people around Han and Tokyo are like dire wolves, surrounded by betrayers. Yeah. It's all the same. They yeah, all get their throats slit. Uh, they do, right at the end. Uh, so I feel like we can move into the metrics. I'm just so... Sa- I it's, can't, I it's can't... It's fucked up. It's fucked up because whereas the last after credit scene filled me with such tremendous hope? This one just made me feel... Like, when you, for two movies straight, you obfuscate the future with Han, and he's like, we'll get to Tokyo eventually, and, like, Maybe we'll go to Tokyo. We're always talking about Tokyo. To this movie, where they start out, they're in Tokyo. They are actually, yeah. They got to Tokyo. There's no reason to go back to Tokyo. Yep. I don't know if they're in Tokyo though. Uh, I thought it was Tokyo. Just because the text didn't look like Japanese to me, they might have been in another. I might country. have just assumed because uh, everything was neon. Oh, Blade Runner. Robots in Disguise. <laughs> Holy shit! Blade Runner is about robots in disguise! Why has no one ever said Blade Runner robots in disguise before? That's exactly what it is! I can't handle you right now. Let's get in the metrics. I get really excited. Let's get in the metrics. So first of all, the coronameter. The coronameter as The coronameter at this movie, believe it or not, because no matter how drunk and mad I was when I watched this movie, I sure did pause it for every corona. This movie is at an all-time high. I thought so. Because, look, there's one toward the very beginning. Yes. And then there's a long drought. So there's one corona at the beginning. And what I want to do is walk you through so far the movies we've seen. Fast and Furious 1, between 12 to 13 coronas. Let's say 12 to make the math easy. Fast and Fu- 2 Fast and Furious, none. Tokyo Drift, none. Fast and Furious... There was Corona. Fuck, how many Coronas were there? Uh, you're the one who's keeping track of the numbers. I think it was six. Okay. Six. I believe you. And then Fast Five, no Coronas. They drank Brahmas. Fast Six. Get ready this for, one. Get ready for this shit. Sixteen Coronas. And they're all... Well, okay, one at the very beginning, and then 15 are in the last 15. shot of the movie. Fifteen. I counted every single one. I tried to be merciful to us, and I counted... I tried to keep track of the ones that characters already had to not count them as new Coronas. Okay. It's surprisingly difficult. So right now our Corona tally is at 12. So we... Six. We, oh, okay. What? Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. You're, you're doing by movie. Yeah, by movie. We have 12, 6, 16. Okay. So I believe that is 18 plus 16. That's 34 Coronas. And we have... Drank? We have drank six per episode. We've drank six per episode, excluding the first one. On average, yeah. Uh on average, six per episode, and that's at this point five. So we have drank thirty-six coronas. No, six times five? Six times five. Thirty. We have drank thirty coronas. We owe them four? We owe them four coronas. So this is the first point. In the Supplemental Reading Series, where we are at a corona deficit, and this could get dangerous. Fast 8 is gonna suck. This could get dangerous, because I want to remind the listeners, we have made a pledge, and we might have to record the last episode on a weekend. Yeah, that might might absolutely need to happen. Uh, We have made a pledge that by the end of these movies, if there is an amount of coronas drank, we will drink them between us. Uh, so right now, this is the first time in the series that the, they have an advantage. Wow. I, <laughs> it's that last shot, the last, the last shot really fucking gets us. They, there's bottles. I saw, I'm like, there's six people there. So, you know, I'm not actually counting the number of people, but I'm like, there's like three times the number of bottles on that table. That's messed up. They know what we're doing. No, I, I, I was thinking about it and I remember I set out the provision that, If there is a ludicrous amount of Coronas for comedy purposes, we would not count them. Because if there's like a hundred Coronas or whatever, that's unfair. Yes, but that's not comedy. It's not comedy. I was thinking, I was like, oh, is that number of Coronas a joke? Because we went a drought. We went no Coronas. And then we went 16 Coronas all at once. I was like, I almost don't want to count that. But I have to. You have to. Because now the movies have an edge. It wasn't like they were stealing... Cur- like I would say for the amount of people there, it is on par with the house party. Probably, yeah. Which is where we got our 12 starter coronas. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to be dead by the end of the series. It's If the next two movies might have no coronas and then we keep our edge, we're in the clear. We're in the clear. Uh, now, of course, moving on to our next metric. Treatment of women. Treatment of women. I have some interesting things to say about this movie. It's got your all time favorite MMA fighter, Gina Carano. Gina Carano. great. I feel like. <laughs> Gina Caramo. Caramo from Queer Eye. I feel like. Oh, I was like, saying Corona, as in the crown <laughs> oh, of beers. The extra. Uh, I feel like this movie is kind of a step up because women generally tend to have more agency. However, big negatives, and this might just be in the writing. Cal dies. Gal Gadot dies. Negative. Uh, there's a always but- a negative when Gal dies. Uh, when the race, the obligatory race sh- scene scene happens. Oh, there's a lot of butts. This one seemed like this it, one seemed even longer than normal. There were a lot of butts. And, and, and like also, okay, I I think it was Fast Four. Like O'Connor and Dom share a look. Like oh, home sweet home. Yep. This one, it was just Don by himself, <laughs> reveling in the butts. Yeah. And it felt creepy, right? Because like, finally, was, the butts. The butts have arrived. And I, I've been watching these films now with my fiance, and she's like, this is the only reason why they make these movies. And I'm like, but it's such a small per- percentage of the screen time. It really is. They and she's really, like, no, this is it. This is why they do these movies. They really pack a bunch of the male gaze in a very short period of time. Uh, so the there's butts that are high, uh, and the shorts are also high because they expose the butts. Uh, so when Gina Carano is helping the Rock, he says the line that ass and brain. Yeah, I know, I I know. He said that ass and brains, and I was like, what? You're like that doesn't. For a character who I loved because you were written for Tommy Lee Jones, that sure is way worse writing than you had in the last movie. Like, in the last movie, he takes Elsa Pataki's character, Elena. Yes. And, like, elevates her to, like, equaldom, basically. You know, like, you're a beat cop. You're motivated. I'm gonna trust you because you seem like the type that's gonna, like, help me get the bad guys. Yes. I don't care that you're a woman. And this one... He's like that ass and brains. Completely different attitude towards women. But I almost feel as though that I'm almost on the fence with that. I hate that line. It makes my skin crawl. But the fact that he says that ass and brains keep that up, and I'll be out of a job. What I think he's saying is that he is treasured for his ass and his brains. So that's so equalizing. He's them. Equalizing. Yeah. It did seem a little tongue in cheek, but there's... I feel like there are some boundaries you don't cross I, I in was, the workplace. I thought it was gross. Yeah. I thought it was a gross line to include. But generally, women in this movie have a greater sense of agency. I will say, however, uh, for Elena and Mia, two characters who have uh, ostensibly like great loving relationships with these men, Elena ridiculously says, I understand this is a picture of your old flame, please go potentially get killed so you can reunite with her and is okay with it. And then Mia, who just had a fucking child with Brian O'Connor says, no, please go almost get killed so your Corona buddy can get back with his old flame. There was a moment when they get Mia back and they're both in the car and they're they're continuing to go after the plane. I was like, no, O'Connor, you got your wife. You got the mother of your children back. Peel out. Leave. Leave. Dom yeah. would understand. And of course, they're the ones that stopped the plane or whatever. Yeah. But uh, but to the Elena thing, I mean, Elena and Dom got together because they had both experienced yeah. a serious, horrible loss. And that's why she says, if it was my husband, I would do anything. If, if that caveat wasn't there, I would be completely on board. And I would be like, yeah, there's no reason for her to do that. The scene at the end when she's at the barbecue or whatever... Why? Yeah. That's complete, like... That's completely written by, by a man. Yeah. Where the woman's gonna be like, Yeah, I'm gonna come and say goodbye to this guy who chose his old flame over me. Yeah. No, that's... You wouldn't show up. That's That's cut all ties, you know... Yeah, you like, I get it. It's understood that not, you just don't talk to each other anymore. You're like, I get it. Leave me $100 million in the Canary Islands and we're good. Yeah, because exa- I'm still a criminal. <laughs> exactly. It'd be like, so you guys moved here, right? So that that uh, Cabo... That, that beautiful house in yeah. the Canary Islands, that's mine. That, that little I, beachfront property over there. Yeah. I'm gonna... <laughs> that, that's me... <laughs> That's got Elena's name, Casa Elena. That V8 engine on the mezzanine is mine. She should show up and see what, just be like, here's my forwarding address, and it's just the same address that uh, as the beach house. Yeah. And he'd, like, he'd be like, I don't understand, I thought we, we sold it. And she's like, no, you got your girl back. I got the house. I'm a fugitive in my home country. Yeah. Yeah peace. <laughs> I'm not going back to I'm Rio. I'm gonna go find some canary guy who can do something with these mingins that you've <laughs> yeah. left everywhere. Uh, they, they're, they're all over the place. Crankshafts. Right. Uh, so Treatment of Women, I'm gonna say, with the last movie, uh, did we even go over Treatment of Women? Oh no, we, no, we did. We have, every time. We have every time. Uh, so I say the last movie went from capital P problematic to lowercase p problematic. <laughs> Yeah, that the last movie did that. Yeah, uh, I so feel, this movie, I feel like this movie goes from lowercase p problematic to questionable. I'm not sure. I see here's ever I I checked the credits. I don't think anyone is listed as hot girls. Well, that's good. That's that's a so, definite so improvement so for me. Drop the p. It's problematic. Problematic. It's not quite acceptable, but it's not not. Pu- no, it's, it's not, still problematic. Yeah, still problematic. Uh, so now we get into the most contentious. It's what everyone listens. List for. of them all. Everyone, everyone's like, you know, why do you guys even waste all this time? Just you could be a BuzzFeed article, and I tell those people, shut up. Just start with the list. So I'm gonna go first, if you don't mind. I know that kind of goes against tradition. Uh, but I'm actually going to give mine first. And uh, you've had a tradition, and I've had a whole week to think about it. Now I know that, like every week, I say that I'm going to make mine as good as yours. Uh, and you know, a good writer improves. And I believe last time was John's good, good Carlos. John's good Carlos. John's good Carlist has improved. I think there's going to be a lot more zing, a lot more buzz, and I'm actually looking to boost my brand a considerable amount with this new name. All right. Okay. So this is my tier list of all the Fast and Furious movies that we have watched so far that I would like to call John's Great Car. Wow. Wow. Wow! You sleeked it down. Yeah, only three words. It's easy. It's easy to get off the car. <laughs> and but he it, also gave it a little tune-up. Yeah, from went from good, good to, to great. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So cut the list, up the good, and I don't see any negatives about this. And I don't see how it could be confused <laughs> for me talking about anything else. Here we go. Uh, so here we go with John's great car. Uh, so number one with a crankshaft, Fast Five. Yeah. I still believe Fast Five is the best movie, and god damn, we've got two movies left. I j- really think it's not going to leave that spot, because Fast Five is really good. It will it would take a lot. And then number two, uh, number two is pretty interesting, because I did a lot of thinking, a lot of retooling on the list. Uh, So, I think that number two has got to be Too Fast, Too Furious. Really? Uh, So, they crash a car into a a yacht. A yacht. Into a yacht. And I've recontextualized that, and that movie is a classist masterpiece. Now, number three, it might surprise you, uh, is actually a little film called... Oh, man. Oh, Los Bandoleros. <laughs> really? Number Wait, three is Los Bandoleros? No, number three is The Fast and the Furious. Oh, okay. Uh, because I've realized the importance of it now. The Fast and the Furious leads into these movies, and it's a it's a great thing. And then we have Los Bandoleros. And then we have Fast and Furious. All right. Wait. That's the fourth one. Okay, Fast... God, Tokyo- we've seen so fucking many Tokyo of these. Drift. Tokyo Drift. No, I like Tokyo Drift more than Fast and Furious. You gotta start over, brother. Oh, shit. I, I usually fast write, five. I usually write these down at work. Fast, fast Five. Two Too Fast, Too Furious. The Fast and the Furious. Los Bandoleros. Tokyo Drift. Fast and Furious. Pre-sequel? Pre-sequel. Is that all of them? <laughs> Are we missing Fast and Furious? Oh my god, this naming convention is so stupid. <laughs> it really fucking sucks. All I right. think that's all of them. I think that is all of them. Okay, we have five... Yeah, I'm counting. Okay, so we've seen how many? Eight right now. We've seen eight, but also, yes, eight, because of the two shorts. Okay. Oh, my God. Fast Five. Yes. Too Fast. Yes. Fast and Furious. The Fast and the Furious. Yes. Los Bandoleros. Yes. Tokyo Drift. Yes. Fast and Furious. Yes. What am I missing? Well, pre-sequel. Pre-sequel. But that's at the fucking bottom. What movie am I missing? Fast and Furious, Fast Five. What the fuck? All right, Fast Five, Fast Five, Two Fast and Furious, fast. the Fast and the Furious, The Fier- Fast and the Furious, Los Bandoleros. Los Bandoleros. Tokyo Drift, th- Fast and Furious, the fourth one. Wait, The Fast and the Furious. You said, you said, "Holy that. shit!" You said, th- "The Fast fa- Five, The Fast and the Furious was third. Fat- the Fast and the Furious number three, Los Bandoleros, number four. Yes, and then Tokyo Drift, Tokyo Drift, and then Fast and Furious. All right." What the fuck comes before the pre sequel? Fast Six. Oh yeah, the one that <laughs> we're doing the fuck, the one that we're doing. To... Oh okay, my god. Here's here's how it goes. Here, look. This is John's holy great shit car. This is John's great holy car. Shit. Fast Five. Fast Five.
1: Two Too fast, fast and to furious. furious.
0: The Fast and the Furious. Los Bandoleros. Tokyo Drift. Fast Six. Fast and Furious. The turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, we got there, folks. Okay, so just to be clear, I hate Fast and Furious. I hate that movie. Yeah. And it is slightly worse than Fast 6, which I had a lot of problems with. All right. Oh, my gosh. Man, I'm, I'm glad was we went... really doing... hard. Well, yeah, because we're both... Three Coronas in, and really we're trying hard. to remember all of the movies and a series that isn't one through goddamn six. <laughs> it's very hard. Anyway, i i hear oh. that I hear that you've revamped the title of yours a little bit. Now, I, this one get might get a little personal. Okay, I did revamp the list. Mm-hmm. Of course, is this like an Eminem surprise album disc track? Kamikaze personal? is coming here uh, to Kamikaze. this to yeah. this tearless name. This is Henry's. Fast and loose. A fucking maintenance person came into my house and stepped on the goddamn cable to my microphone and broke both the cable and the USB port to my computer. And I'm very, very mad about it. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Okay. That's the name of the list. That's of a pretty good those list. Those you got personal. Yeah. No, I understand. Distract to that dude. Yeah. F- uh, fucking got his name he oh a no goddamn paper editing that out number one we agree on finally it, it is fast five that is that is the that's like the crown jewel of these movies now as we've discussed every time we agree we must shake hands oh okay fast five okay <laughs> i fast keep five, coughing when i talk about five good number two for me because it represents where we began and where we will one day go the dirt yes Is The Fast and The Furious. Yes, and also we did return. We did return at the end of this movie. Well, yeah. To the house where Jesse got murdered. To the dirt house. Murdered in front of that house, he did. Number three. Yes. What's on your phone? Oh, nothing. Very important things on your phone. Number three. Remember how many times I checked my phone during your tier list? Number three. Number three. Is probably, we might agree again. I'm. Raising up Los Bandoleros. That wasn't your Los liberty. Bandoleros is four for me. So Too bad. No, hitchhikes. I'm raising up Los Bandoleros because it's about more than the movies. Yeah, it's about Letty and it's about Dom and it's, it's about also, their chemistry and it's also about the gasoline problems in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, you had the guts to do what I couldn't, which is put Los Bandoleros at three. Yeah, and that might change. I forget what okay. I say week to week. I okay. drink a lot. Yeah. It's true. That's just a fact. Number four is Tokyo Drift. Okay. Because I love Japan. That's fair. And I feel like Japan needs a break. You love anime. I hate Sean Boswell. I hope he never comes back. (laughs) Yes. But I love Japan. Number five is probably Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. That's the fourth movie. Are we in agreement there? I don't remember. Los, Los Bandoleros. Nope, we're not. We're not. We're only going to agree on one. It doesn't matter. I don't need to explain my choices. I just need to list the rest of the list. Yes. Number more. six is... You got the current movie. Probably the current movie. Okay, number six. We agree. Yeah, number six is the current movie. Because that movie sucked. It's got a lot of problems. I want to like Luke Evans as the villain. And he's probably the best villain we've gotten so far. But he's in a bad movie. He's in a bad movie. The writing for him was bad. There's no reason for him to be gleefully destructive and malevolent when he's in the tank. That yeah. comes out of nowhere. He was supposed—he's a pragmatist. He's a great villain, but written thin. Yeah, he's the most active villain we've had so far, but yeah. still, yeah, number seven. Oh, you've only got two left. I know how this is gonna go. Do you? I do. How do you... You said you were going to switch it up last week, I think. And I fucking lied to you. Number God seven It's the Turbocharged How pre-sequel. You can't do this do for any reason but spite. It you can't do this for any reason The most amazing but spite. music video. It's got only one line of dialogue, and through that one line of dialogue, it tells the entire epic that is the Turbocharged pre-sequel that has got to be probably the worst decision anyone's ever made, and... I lied again. Oh. Because at number eight, it's the worst decision anyone's ever made. Too fast, too furious. Who would make this movie? Why is why is Tyrese? Brian O'Connor? With weird curls and blonde hair? Crashing into a yacht? Like, that's supposed to impress me? In the words of Shania Twain, that don't impress me much. Bullshit. Do the social media. Now, normally we talk about who we want to come back. Oh, yeah, we should. But here's, here's the problem. Here's the thing. Oh. Everyone's come back, and people have started to die. So now we're going to do a fun, morose, horribly morbid segment. <laughs> who do you want to die? Who do you want to die next? So, yeah, who do you want to die? Uh, Who do I want to die? Uh, Well, Owen Shaw's dead. He fell out of that airplane. Yeah. Oh boy, uh, characters that I genuinely don't like. You know who hasn't come back who deserves to die? Carter? Carter Verone? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the next movie opens with him choking on some food and dying in prison? Yeah. That'd be okay. You know, we didn't get Letty beating them up, so he can choke and die. Uh, characters that I want to die. Um, every member of Luke Evans' crew just dying... Braga dies from the wounds sustained that they censored from him being stabbed by Brian. Um, what about Brian's partner whose nose got rebroken? Should he die? Oh, yeah. He died from his injuries. He died from his injuries. He died from his injuries. Broken nose straight to the brain. Straight to the brain, even to the head. Um, <laughs> who else do not want to die? This is a dumb segment. It really is. It's not real. Uh, who do you want to die? I just need three. Well, I, I helped with yours. Oh, you're right teamwork yeah clap that was the high five noise it was high five noise and uh, now i think and now it's time for the social media because the these final... episodes are getting increasingly in length yeah probably final Thanks. verdict fast six skip it yeah i mean the tough thing with these movies is they're not really a skip list if you care about the story you kind of regrettably have to watch all of them skip but it. unless you're doing it for a podcast skip it skip it and now we will get into social media because I like delaying things as long as possible. Do it. And I'm not mentally equipped to handle this. That's fine. And if you're not mentally ha- equipped to handle anything in life, you can contact us through via social medias. You can get at us at twitter.com at zcpcwhj. And John, that stands for? That stands for Zippy crew Fat cars with heavy jets. Heavy jets indeed. Oh man I'm going to hit the NOS so hard but you never hit it early. You always hit it after the other person hits it. It's the only way to win. And if you've got racing tips that take a long time to describe, you can send us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com Send us your emails send us your gmails but don't send us snail mail we ain't got no P.O. Box Oh we we could do that. We could have out- people. We're also on Facebook uh, Search Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search bar or we'll delete it. We also have on iTunes cuz we're on iTunes and that's where you should rate us and subscribe to us so we can get those numbers up and we can get on the charts and finally take down Mark Marin once and for all. He's never even talked about these movies. He has never he has never talked about all eight of these movies. Vote with your stars, folks. Voe of your stars. And last but not least, tell a friend, tell your wife, save your life. Cause word of the mouth is the only way that you can survive, and we can survive, and this time where survival is of the fittest. Ah, so from everyone here at the Zero Credits Zoom Zoom Go Fast Garage, we want to wish you a happy week. I gotta find a quote. Oh, oh that dude, that's and a podcast You know you've come a long way from stealing DVD players in East L.A.